just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today I'm chatting with Corianne Holmes who shares her journey of being diagnosed with hyperthyroidism as well as hypothyroidism and underwent a partial thyroidectomy. In this episode, Corey explains the process of receiving a diagnosis back in the United States when she was just 10 years old, how that eventually turned into a diagnosis in the opposite direction, as well as what the surgery to remove a part of her thyroid gland was like, and she talks us through the process of moving her medical care from the States to New Zealand. Just a quick note before listening, this episode was recorded on the 26th of November 2021, and since recording, there have been some changes to the the MIQ process in New Zealand. So apologies for any confusion when we talk about that towards the end. I really enjoyed getting to know Corey throughout this interview and I hope you do too. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Corey, welcome to That's So Chronic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. It's kind of like take two. Unfortunately, COVID got in the way of me actually meeting you in person and being able to see your beautiful home because, of course, you are behind SouthIslandTinyHouse.com and over on social media. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. It's been a lot of fun researching you and getting to watch some of your videos (laughs) to get to know you a little bit better. If people don't know you, Corey, and your partner, Pat, I was reading on your website, you took the $20,000 that you had, you moved to New Zealand from the USA, you built a tiny house, which all started in January 2015, and it was completed by December 2015, you lived in it for a few years, and then you decided to build a slightly bigger house, which you documented on YouTube, Mm -hmm. and I think, is it the tiny house that is now on Airbnb? Yes, it is, yeah. We've got guests there right now. (laughs) So cool. I love that so much. But what people might not know about you, if they have been following your tiny house and slightly bigger house journey, is that you have actually had a partial thyroidectomy, which we're going to chat about today. Yeah, exciting. (laughs) Now, where do we even begin? Because I believe that it is quite the story and quite the journey that Mm. you have been on. Perhaps should we go all the way back to the beginning? You're in fifth grade, back in the States. Mm-hmm. How did all of this start for you? Well, I think it really started in class. Mm-hmm. I was noticing I was having a really hard time focusing. And I'd always been a very good student, always keen to learn, loved reading, loved math. And I was just having a really hard time focusing because I was so hungry right? all the time. Yeah. So I would like sneak candy in class. I would like, if I could get my hands on even like packets of sugar, I would just down it. Like no questions asked. I was just obsessed with sweets and eating all the time. Mm -hmm. And 
my parents would always warn me like, slow down, you're eating your dinner too fast. I would just be absolutely starving. And you know, when you're a kid, you don't have access to unlimited food. You have to eat what your parents give you in yeah. lunchtime and stuff. So I think that was like my first, something's going on, something's wrong here. And on top of the other side of eating too much and eating too much sugar, it was that I kept losing weight. And ah. so I was getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. My eyes were bulging out of my head. I couldn't sleep at night. Sometimes my parents would come into my room to check on me and my eyes would be open while I was sleeping. Wow. My my little heart was just racing all the time. Like, and I hadn't, you know, been finished. I hadn't just run or anything. Yeah. I was just like, heart was racing all the time. And so um, my mom uh, took me to a few doctors. She took me to four doctors mm -hmm. when I was about 10 and um, I feel confident saying this because my dad's a physician, um, and my mom went to medical school. So it's very interesting how difficult sometimes getting medical help can be just because of the preconceived notions that a lot of people in the medical industry have, um, especially as a person of color, especially as a woman. Yeah. So my mom probably was stereotyped as, oh, she's just, you know, a crazy black woman who's a single mom and doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, and then on my side, there's definitely like a, a perception that young black children are older than what they actually are. Right. So as a 10 year old, I was in a doctor's appointment and the doctor accused my mom and myself of being on speed. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I was 10 years old. There's why would I be on drugs? I was like, at a really good private school. I was doing well academically. My dad's a doctor. We grew up in the burbs. Like it just didn't comp didn't compute. So we never went back to that doctor again. No. <laughs> um, so I had blood tests done. I'd have other tests done and nobody could get to the bottom of it. And it eventually got diagnosed thanks to my dad. Mm -hmm. We were watching TV together and he looked over and he just noticed the pulse in my throat just going mile a minute oh wow and so then he took my pulse and he was like you know i think you might have uh hyperthyroidism okay my grandmother had i think she might have just had a full thyroidectomy i'm not sure when she had it but so it was he like had the thought that it might be something hereditary in our family. Yeah. So um, after we had that diagnosis, we were able to kind of direct the other doctors a bit better. So if people don't know, what would be your explanation or definition of hyperthyroidism? Basically, it just means that your thyroid, which is a gland in your throat, is just, I think it's releasing too much of a certain hormone mm -hmm. that doesn't allow your body to absorb the nutrients that it needs basically yeah. and it's especially important when you are so young going especially because i was it was before puberty for me as yeah. well um so it affected my growth it stunted like my sleep and it really just kept my body from getting the nutrients that it needed yeah and it gave me a heart murmur too so i had to be a oh, heart murmur wow. Well, yeah. And like as a 10 year old, this is a lot to suddenly be told that's happening. Can you remember how you felt like being 10 years old and suddenly getting a diagnosis like this? I felt I felt so guilty. Honestly, I just felt really bad because I was missing some school to go to all the doctor's appointments. Mm -hmm. My school was not understanding at all. Oh, because no. as you can imagine, someone who's starving doesn't have great impulse control. <laughs> Yes. So I was actually kicked out of school. Oh, wow. um, 
which was pretty horrible. Yeah. So I felt really alienated that way. I, you know, lost all of my friends and I had to go to public school for a year. Also health wise, my health wasn't great. I couldn't go participate in gym anymore um, because of the, the heart murmur problem. Yeah. So I was literally like, I remember most of fifth grade, either sitting in the principal's office for disciplinary problems for being suspended or because I couldn't go to gym. So yeah. <laughs> one of those three things and it was just horrendous. And my memory is just pretty much shot for the year after that. Yeah. Um, it was awful. It was awful. And after you get this diagnosis, were they then able to offer you like a sort of treatment plan? Yeah. Yeah. So I was immediately put on um, a synthetic thyroid hormone, mm-hmm. which basically helped to regulate that. Um, okay. But as I mentioned, because I was so young and I was so small, and it's actually pretty rare for you to have that condition so early. Right. So I think that it was, I, I'm, it's, it's nobody's fault, but I was over medicated. Yeah. And so it went the other direction um, by the time I went through puberty. And so I started the opposite side, gaining weight, sleeping way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with, so I was so used to eating so much that I didn't change the amount of food intake that I had. So then um, I think it was probably maybe freshman year of high school. So when I was about 14, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, right? which is the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, it was probably just over medication and I would be, I, I think I was getting my blood drawn every six months. It probably could have been closer to that, but um, also I've even just noticed myself now that I've had my partial th- thyroidectomy, I'm still on the same medication, yeah. but that my hormone levels change a lot depending on how active I am. Oh. So a couple, so like last year I was really into the gym. I would go to the gym maybe three times a week. I'd make sure to get my 10,000 steps in. And my doctors told me to reduce my medication. So, and I just got my blood drawn again, like last week. And I just got a text and they said, oh, you need to go back (laughs) to what your original medication was. I'm like, oh, that means I haven't been going to the gym enough. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting that you can like definitely see that correlation between the two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And my weight has a lot to do with it. I mean, I remember I felt so validated when Oprah was on TV talking about how she was diagnosed with hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. and her doctors told her, this is really stuck with me my whole life. Her doctors told her that you just need to get used to being hungry. And, (laughs) and I've, I, I mean, I, I think I was just maybe a bit too impressionable, but more or less that's, that's just how I've, how I've approached my life now. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, what would be the explanation then of hypothyroidism? It's just your thyroid is overactive and it's just slowing everything down. And if I did stop taking my medication, I would just, I don't know, like go to sleep and never wake up, I guess. I would just get so tired and so lethargic. And yeah, it would, I, I, I don't, I, I don't actually know what the exact consequences would be, but probably just extreme weight gain and then all the consequences and health problems from that. When you were diagnosed with hypothyroidism, did they then give you other medication to then try and go back to where you were? It was mostly just reduction of medication. Okay. The other, and I don't, I don't really think there's anything you can do the other direction. Yeah. And so it was just, you stop taking your medication and hope that it rectifies itself. Cause they were still hoping I would grow out of it. Yeah. And 
as you can understand that by the time I was 18, it had been a good full eight years of constantly at the doctors, mm -hmm. trying to tweak my medication. And I was just fed up and I just opted to have the partial thyroidectomy. Yeah. So how does that process work? Um, so I'm not really sure because I mostly just let my parents take the lead, especially my dad take the lead on that. But I just told them that I was fed up with it and that I didn't want to go off to college or university for you guys yeah. with this with this problem. And so it was, I think the summer after I had graduated, we found a surgeon who could who could do the surgery and uh my dad did try to tell them that uh when you're doing sutures on um, african-american skin it's a little bit different than on caucasian skin as you can see you can see it quite noticeably oh, it was, yeah it was very bad when it first was done um because the doctor didn't listen to my dad <laughs> he was like i know better oh no yeah so um that's another thing it's just it's just it's exhausting the advocacy that you really have to have for yourself, even yeah. if you have a medical background in your family. Yeah, it's just it's it's really tough, and 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 I was very very fortunate in the states because not everybody has access to healthcare. Yeah, not everybody has access to recovery or people who can help you with recovery. So I was just extremely privileged that you know I had I had two great people, my parents, um, you know, fighting in my corner for me. I was going to ask, how does it work in the States and where you were in terms of money and like being able to get this surgery? Because I know that it's so different yeah. compared to here. So I don't think it was considered an elective surgery. I think that my doctors agreed with me that it was, it was going to be a long-term issue and that probably the best and, and honestly, if you have an overactive thyroid, sometimes it can lead to Hashimoto's disease mm -hmm. or even thyroid cancer. Yeah. So it's a little bit safer to opt for the more extreme yeah. option to get rid of it um, as opposed to, or like a full thyroidectomy. They typically don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was considered an elective surgery, but in the States, if uh, usually if you're a minor and your parents have a good white collar ish type job usually healthcare is in, is included yeah. and after the uh i guess people typically will call it obamacare yeah. but it just was an extension of the the laws that cover and help people with their insurance so pre-existing disorders were after i think 2016 was considered, you know, it could be covered by insurance okay, yeah. as well as being, you could be covered up till the age, I think of 25. Oh, wow. I might be wrong about that. Yeah. Um, so those two things didn't exist beforehand. So that was very, I was very thankful that yeah. way. So I could still have insurance while I was in university because I wasn't working and then uh, pre-existing coverage because my thyroid problem had had it for so long. Yeah. It was a pre-existing problem. And so uh, that's definitely one of the downsides of New Zealand is that pre-existing disorders are not covered if you want to have private insurance. Yeah. So my allergies, you know, my thyroid. So all of that stuff is just moot pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you decide to go through with the surgery. Yeah. Talk us through like the process that day of actually getting it done and how on earth they even remove 
a part of the thyroid gland? I, you know, honestly, it was a bit of a blur, but uh, basically like you do, you're just your normal surgery prep. Like you can't eat, you know, the 24 hours beforehand, yeah. no water, blah, blah, blah. And then they do the um, initial check-in and then they put you fully under. I think it was supposed to only be like, I think I had, I don't even think I had a full day in the hospital mm-hmm. afterwards. It's pretty, pretty. Wow efficient in that respect but it did affect my vocal cords um and because they cut so deep that like i had this horrible double chin for like (laughs) a good a good mm, three months i'd say afterwards and i was like moving to boston and going to university and i was so 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 self-conscious i was trying to make new friends and stuff yeah just like felt absolutely horrible (laughs) but it did heal up pretty nicely and my voice came back Mm -hmm. but but yeah it was it was uh, in terms of you know as terms of surgeries go it wasn't that bad and so what does the recovery process look like especially when your vocal cords are affected by this a lot of ice cream <laughs> yeah love that <laughs> women like nice cold drinks and mm-hmm. nothing like super hard to chew and and stuff like that okay um, i did notice that i had like quite a bit of like lumps around my neck when Mm -hmm. when it was done and when I I did some of my follow-up appointments but my doctor just pretty much said just to stop touching them don't irritate them and just and then they they eventually did go away so that was the only thing I noticed but my thyroid is still probably trying to grow back and so that's why it's still really important to keep on top of monitoring hormone levels and things so I, I still get my blood drawn every six months or so but in the grand scheme of things, just having to take medication for the rest of my life is just very, very small and very minimal. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people, when I explain this, they fixate on the fact that I have to take pills for the rest of my life. And yeah. I'm just like, what? It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's really not that big of a deal. Um, So yeah, I mean, it, it's just normal. And my mom actually, surprisingly, she's on the exact same medication I am on. Oh. But she didn't have a partial thyroidectomy. It's just to keep her. She's got a nodule on her on her thyroid. Yeah. So from both sides of my family, there's weird weird thyroid issues. So yeah, yeah. I wonder if people get so fixated on like having to take medication for the rest of your life because I was reading that a lot of the time or some of the time when people go through with a surgery the expectation is that that'll just fix it and they won't have to take exactly. anything anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just, I don't under, I don't understand, honestly, because it's like people take vitamins all the time. People take, yeah. you know, supplements and things and, and it's voluntary. I understand that. But basically, unless you're planning on like, I don't know, joining the military or getting kidnapped, then it's, <laughs> you'll yeah. be able to get your medicine. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> Imagine someone just like comes to kidnap you and you're like, wait, wait I need my thyroid medication or this is not going to work out for the both of us. be bad in two weeks though. <laughs> Poor you. And I'll just be really hungry and I just, we're going to need to sort this out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. So with the medication that you are taking, is it like, how many, how many pills are we talking? It's only three little tiny little pills. Um, because okay. it, they don't, it doesn't, it only comes in, um, 500 micro 50 micrograms instead of 150 is what I have yep. to take every day. Okay. And do you take that all at the same time or does it have to be spaced throughout the day? No, no. I take that all at the same time on an empty stomach, but oh, it's not too bad. Too easy. <laughs> I know. It's easy. <laughs> Very simple. 
And so you're still being monitored with the regular blood tests. Yes, yes. I'm wondering how the process worked moving from the States to New Zealand and how actually getting into the health system here worked for you. I, I had a bit of an easier time, I'd say, than than um, than most because I went, uh, when I first came to New Zealand, I went straight into uh, the University of Canterbury to get my master's degree in business management. Okay. So I was using the health system over there and they're, they're pretty good in explaining the differences in the health system, especially for international students, basically is what I was. Okay. So I was, I, uh, before I left, I think I made sure that I got some printouts of my medical history just to explain it, just so I wouldn't, you know, waffle on the dates because yeah. it's hard to keep, remember everything that yeah. happens, you know? So I made sure to get that information before I left. And then um, the doctor here was pretty great. And then, you know, which is really great in New Zealand is once you're in the system, you're in the system. Yeah. And as I, oh, and I, I was already a permanent resident. I should have mentioned that Okay, too. right, um, yeah. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, not having. Visas and all of access. that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was pretty easy. And then, uh, yeah, I definitely find the, the going through healthcare and the medical industry here is a lot easier than in the States, a lot easier to navigate. But I think that there is also uh, more of a hesitancy here mm-hmm. for the care that you may or may not need. Like in the States, they're a bit overhand, like, yeah. you know, over, over, over excited about giving you health treatments that you may or may not need. Um, and then here you really gotta, you really gotta work for it. Yeah. Were you on the same medication in the States and then here, and have you noticed any differences of like the way that it gets prescribed or like how many you can get or how that process works? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the States I was taking what's called Synthroid, which is a, it's not, it's the non-generic version. So My mom did try to warn me. She was like, try try to always make sure you get Synthroid. Yeah. Because that apparently is better, but that's not available here. It's not covered here. Right. So I do have to take the generic and I don't think I've noticed a difference, mm-hmm. but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a pharmacist. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I do take the same thing. It's called Levo, Levothyroxine, mm-hmm. which is the synthetic hormone that you need. And uh, I think in the States, I was only able to have a month's worth at a time. Okay. And even if your medication or your, you know, if, if you do have insurance, you do have to pay quite a considerable amount for your medication on top of that too. Right. So it would cost about like maybe 50 to $60 a month. <laughs> yeah. For wow. my medication. Yeah. Um, and then that was on top of I have really bad allergies as well. So I was taking yeah. allergy medication on what is on top of that. So, and then when I came here, it, I just have to go to a doctor's appointment about every three months and then mm-hmm. I can get a three months worth of medication and then to get my blood drawn, that's that's free, obviously. And then to get my medication, it's $5. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm always so intrigued by the differences between different countries and like what's available and what's not available. You guys are very lucky here. Yeah. Very lucky. And yeah. I think it's really cool for people to hear because, you know, a lot of a lot of the time New Zealanders are from New Zealand and we understand the system, but coming into the system can always be yeah. a finicky little thing as well. Definitely. Yeah. You just have to give yourself grace and time. And 
I'd say the most important thing too is if something isn't working out or if you're having a bad experience with the doctor or for whatever reason, it's very easy here to just change and yeah. don't don't waste any time being uncomfortable or me being made feel feel to be uncomfortable. So just yeah. just find someone who 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 meshes with you best, I'd say. It's so true what you were saying about when something like this happens, you really do have to start advocating for yourself quite quickly in the process even just to get mm. a diagnosis mm. yeah and to get appointments or to get uh follow-up or uh my blood was drawn three months ago and I still haven't heard like yeah. how are my levels or even just as simple as um I remember a few times just being getting my blood drawn by nurses and when you get your blood drawn for your thyroid, which isn't normally ordered, which is why it was so hard to get it diagnosed. Right, I see. It's a special order that you have to put through. But I think they might have changed the testing now, but it used to be that you'd have to have one vial to get tested for TSH mm -hmm. and then another vial for your T3 and your T4. Right. And so when I would sit there to get my blood drawn and the nurse would only do one vial, I'd be like, Hello. You're going to have to book me again. Where's the next vial? Yeah. You know? <laughs> little stuff like that you once you figure out what what's normal and what's needed there's nothing wrong with asking questions there's nothing wrong with being nosy mm -hmm. because it's your health and at the end of the day you're the only one who's responsible for it so. sometimes I go like how does my brain know all of this stuff I yeah. would imagine telling you know us back in the day like one day you're gonna know how many vials of blood they need to take to test for this very specific thing yeah. there was one time when I was in the hospital I was getting an infusion and there was air in the line and it was like beeping. And I said, oh, like, I think there might be air in the line because like it's beeping. Yeah. And it's like my 50th infusion. So I kind of know that that's the thing. And then she just looks at me and she's like, are you a nurse? I was like, no, it's just my body. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be a nurse to like care what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting the regular blood tests and you're on the medication is there anything else that you have to be a little bit more considerate of in your day-to-day -day life? I definitely think my um, my weight and just in general, like making sure that I eat healthy, that I stay active as best I can. It really bothered me for a very long time. Every time I saw my mother, that's the first thing she would ask or first thing she would comment on is my weight. Yeah. And I hadn't seen her for like maybe a year and a half and we met up in Queenstown and that's the first thing she said is when she saw me instead of like, hi, Corey, how are you? Is I've missed you. Oh, you put on some weight. And I just snapped. I was like, can you please stop commenting on my body and my weight? Because you and I both know that it's very difficult. Yeah. And she, and she came back. She was like, it's not. It's not a physical thing that I'm critiquing. It's just, that's how I know that you're healthy and that you're okay. Right. And that your medication is right and that the doctors are paying attention to you. And I was like, can you please not do it <laughs> the first time you see me? It was coming from a place of love, yeah. but oh my God, it, it's just, it's really hard when, you're, when your weight and your body and your health are, I mean, obviously they're tied together, yeah. but there's very little that I can do when it comes to trying to lose weight. And it's basically like, I have to be a freaking gym machine if I want to, yeah. you know, be 
con consider considerably you know like your normal size or your normal weight for yeah. for society or whatever but um i'd say that's probably the the most difficult thing but i've i've gotten my head around it i've come to realize that in the grand scheme of things as long as i try to be as healthy as i can that that then that's um that's what i can do that's yeah. what i can control yeah <laughs> Have you connected with any other people? Obviously, your mum is also going through something similar. Have you connected mm. with any other people that might have thyroid conditions before? Not really. It's 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 quite. Um, I'd say it's more one of the more invisible chronic, you know, diseases because there is quite a range. Mm -hmm. I'd say that it's really it's very visible if you have like a, a goiter. Yeah. Um, you see that sometimes with people who don't have enough iodine in their diet. But other than that, it's it's one of those invisible ones. And um, oh, I have heard like of a few stories where like a woman, uh, a newscaster was on TV, and a doctor noticed that her thyroid was quite inflamed and contacted wow. her and said, you really should get this checked out. So um, for visual reasons, it's like my thyroid used to be quite, quite pronounced yeah. and uh, quite rounded and quite firm, mm -hmm. which are all bad signs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, it's, yeah, I really, I haven't really had the opportunity to, um, to talk to, to talk to many others um, with the problem, but, but yeah, I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> We've had one person with Hashimoto's on the podcast so far. But yeah, I did hear that episode, yeah. Yeah, which is always so interesting because I think that's really important that even though two people might have really similar things going on, all of these conditions, and especially like thyroid conditions, can just present in a really unique set of ways for each person's like lifestyle or the way that they, yeah, are just operating day to day. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important to know yes. what some of the potential other problems that you may have, because when I got here, everybody was on the lookout for Hashimoto's for me. Right. And it was like, oh, if you have a thyroid problem, this is what you're going to have. And luckily it hasn't progressed to that level, Yeah. but it's good to be aware of what the other potential issues are within the, that, you know, organ or whatever. That's not, yeah. that's not doing exactly what it should be doing. It is almost a full-time job being yeah. <laughs> aware of these things. It really is. Yeah. And you got to keep really good records. My, this is kind of a, a tangent, but my grandfather um, did a lot of work with nuclear waste, basically, Okay. Um, right after World War II. And mm -hmm. he exposed my grandmother quite a bit to a lot of really bad, <laughs> really, really bad nuclear stuff. And, and that's what caused a variety of cancers in her. Wow. And because they took such good records and kept yeah. medical records that my mom has just been able to get compensation because it was a gov the he was working for the yeah. government when that happened and they just didn't have the right kind of protocols um and she was able to get some compensation from it all because she kept her grandfather's medical records and if you tried to call the hospital right now and say oh hi can i yeah. have someone so's medical records from you know 70 80 years ago they'd be like uh those have been destroyed so yeah. you never know. You never know. Wow. That is such a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That I'm shook. That is so great. But yeah. also terrible that that even happened. I know. I never got a chance <laughs> to meet her because of that. But you know. Yeah. Great things. So. so we're moving into 2022. How do things with you 
the tiny house, the slightly bigger house, the thyroid. How does everything look in the future for you? That's a very good question. It's still kind of up in the air. I mean, now that we have a final date when we can get back into the country without going to MIQ, I think yes. probably the first thing would be um, my husband still has family back in the States, so he'll definitely want to go back home. Mm-hmm. We are building a tiny house trailer right now for someone, so hopefully we'll have Exciting. A, few, a few more of those on the horizon. Those are really fun. And yeah, I, I want to write another book. Mm-hmm. So my book, South Island Tiny House, is um, available on Amazon. Or I'm trying to get it into the library system here in New Zealand, but I have no idea how to yeah. do that. <laughs> so, so yeah, that'll be on my, my back burner. But um, other than that, yeah, just, just keep ticking along, trying to stay healthy and just, yeah, enjoy enjoying the time that we have. Um, and hopefully my, my parents will be able to come visit yeah i'll be able to see my sister i haven't seen her forever so yeah it'll be good i'm just thinking with like some projects on the go like writing a book and building another tiny house do you still experience any of the symptoms like the fatigue or feeling really lethargic like is that still something that happens for you yeah and it's interesting sometimes you don't even realize you're having symptoms until you like really sit down and, and really think about it. And I think that's really, I probably should start keeping a journal because yeah. there are some like, especially, you know, when I'm on my period or different times of month that I just feel really particularly tired. And mm-hmm. instead of being hard on yourself, trying to correlate that and put that in the grand, you know, the bigger picture. Yeah. But I do, I've, I've always been a very much of a night owl. Yeah. <laughs> and when I met my partner, he, he works really early in the morning. So he would go oh. to bed quite early. And this, that was like the first time I'd ever like been like, oh, I can actually go to bed at like nine o'clock at 10 o'clock yeah. instead of staying up till 1am, which is like yeah. what I like to do reading. And it turns out that's how much sleep I need. I need to go to bed at nine o'clock and wake up yeah. at seven or eight. And I need that much sleep every night. And that's how yeah. I function optimally because I wasn't even aware that I was exhausted during the yeah. day yeah. until I, I started going to bed when my husband went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so stuff like that. <laughs> I love that. It's not until like an external person like shows you another way and you're like, oh, yes, I could feel better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with me and for everybody listening today. I'm sure people will have gotten so much out of it and especially keeping good records and keeping on top of what's healthy for you. Definitely. So important. Very important. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. It was so much fun talking with you. I really appreciate it. Yay. Thank you so much for joining me here at That's So Chronic for one of the first episodes back in 2022. If you're new around here, hi, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. Don't forget to press follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your pods and leave a review, which in case you didn't know, you can do on Spotify now. So please go ahead leave a five-star review only if you want to of course you can also find me on tiktok and instagram i'm at that so chronic and i always love hearing from you so don't be afraid to reach out if you enjoyed this episode why not share it with someone that might enjoy it as well that really helps that so chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly hope